Well, I, I don't know if it was said, but um, that song is brand new. It was written by our three campus chapel worship leaders and presented by them. Wasn't that something? That's an amazing. They are so gifted. And again, you can use that to invite others to the Christmas Eve services. And uh, more on that in a little while, inviting in a creative way. I'll say something at the very end. But um, with that, may I pray for us, please? God, thank you now for this time to come together and to sing to you. We bow down before you, King Jesus. That's why we've come together. And as we have sung to you now, we wait to hear from you through your word. Please teach us. Find our hearts inclined to you. May your spirit have his way up and down the aisles and across the rows in each of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to be with you here in Norwalk. It's been a while since I've been here, and it's a privilege to be with you. Um, Christmas season, uh, there's a word that always comes to mind. It's the word joy. Today, we have lit the joy candle in the Advent wreath. Maybe you have an Advent wreath at home. I know we do, and uh, we'll light the joy candle. And uh, joy is found on Christmas stationery, it's found in Christmas displays, it's found on coffee mugs, it's found everywhere. Through the year, of course, I receive mail like we all do, and my envelopes are written to Jay Halley, but every now and then I am addressed as Joy Halley on my envelopes. So I am a walking bundle of joy. I get to think about Christmas all year long. All right, here's a question for you. What is joy? How would you define that? It, it's, it's similar to happiness. It's used interchangeably in Scripture at times. But there's a fine difference. Happiness is more connected to the emotions of life, to the ebbs and flows of life. Happiness is that fizzy, fuzzy feeling you have when life is, you know, going your way. Joy is different. It's, it's much deeper. It's more settled down into the soul. One author says, joy is like the ballast in a boat. Some of you may be boaters. Your boat has ballast. When the storms come, when the waves come and beat against that boat, that ballast helps the boat remain upright and steady and gives the occupants confidence. Joy is like that for the Christian. It gives us ballast. When the storms of life come, when the waves of life beat against our lives, we have joy. We have ballast. Joy is something Christians are to be known for. How is your joy? How is your ballast? This Advent season, we're looking at words from Paul to the churches in what is called Galatia, that region where he was once a missionary. And I'm asking the question, what, what does joy have to do with these words from Paul to the Galatians to us? Well, in a very real sense, they had lost their joy. They had lost their ballast in life. How do I know that? Because in the same chapter, Paul asks them this question, what has happened to all your joy? When when Paul first came to the Galatian region, he taught the simple gospel message. He taught that to be made right with God, believe in the Lord Jesus and that's it. 
That's how you were made right with God. And apparently the Galatians had great joy as a result of that simple message. But then they lost their joy. They lost their ballast. And so Paul writes these words, writes his entire letter to the Galatians and to us to return them, to return us to joy and to ballast. So in this Advent season, which began just a couple of weeks ago, we're in a series called Just in Time. And in this series, what we did two weeks ago, we began the series by looking at how God acted at just the right time. And then last week, we learned at just the right time, God sent just the right person. And today, what we're looking at is at just the right time, just the right person came with just the right message. And I'd like to look at this passage from Paul to the Galatians and to us. Let's, this, is, this is what we've looked at so far. But when the right time came, at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent just the right person, Jesus, who is fully God, fully human. And now the right message begins at verse 5. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. I want to unpack those verses. But as you look at the screen, I want to ask you, do you notice anything special? Because what's up there occurs only a number of times in all of Scripture. Do you see it? There is God, that is God the Father. There is the Son, who is Jesus. And there is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The entire Trinity is mentioned in this one passage. The Trinity is unique to the Christian faith. There is one God, there is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. For ages, people have tried to explain the mystery of the Trinity. No one can adequately. And yet it is found threaded throughout the Bible. And the Trinity is the centerpiece, the cornerstone of the Christian life. Now, why do I draw our attention to the Trinity? Why would I do that? Because I think the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is at the heart of Paul's message to the Galatians and to us. The Trinity is the, at the heart of this idea of joy. And so before we look at the passage more in depth, what I want to do is give you a backdrop for what Paul is saying in his words and also a backdrop to this idea of of joy. May I go back to the very beginning? At the end of this message, you'll see why I'm going to give you this outline. We'll begin with Genesis 1 and 2. Let's even be, begin before that, for all eternity past. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. As some, as some authors have said, we're in a, a dance of love and joy. You know what love looks like, right? God's kind of love giving, self-giving, not seeking attention, giving attention. That's the Trinity in action. And then, in this dance of love and joy, God decided to create. 
And God shared that love and joy with all of his creation, including the first occupants of this earth, Adam and Eve. And they had a perfect relationship with God, and they were in this dance of love and joy also. And then in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve drove the bus of humanity off the cliff by rebelling against God. And whatever love and joy they knew dissipated because their relationship with God was now severed. But God did not just swipe his hands and say, you know, that creation idea wasn't very good. Let's start all over. Instead, God chose to reclaim all of his creation, including humankind. And in this long stretch of what we know as the Old Testament, from Genesis chapter 4 through the very end of the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi, God maps out a plan where his grace can be revealed, where his perfect sense of justice can be satisfied, and he finds a way for people in all of creation to be brought back to him, to be made right with God again. God has devised a plan, and that plan then is completely revealed as we come to the New Testament, Matthew and John. Now, I can only imagine, we can only imagine for those hundreds of years, what was that like as the Trinity anticipated the day when the Son, the Christ, would take on human flesh and take on the name Jesus and live among us. We can only wonder what it was like when the Trinity anticipated the night when the heavens would be peeled back And on that star-filled night, light would surround the shepherds watching their flocks by night. And the angel would say, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And there's our word, joy. Why joy to all people? Because God was coming himself, Emmanuel, God with us, to make a way back to himself so we could be made right with God once again. And that's the essence of what Paul says in our passage, in our passage Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Paul is helping us understand that at just the right time, just the right person came with just the right message. So with you, I want to understand what that right message is and why it is such a key to regaining joy in life. Let's go back to what Paul said in verse 5. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Let's stop right there. You know, tradition says that Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a short man, was a bow-legged man, was a beetle-browed man. That means heavy brows and bald. Now, I have an idea. I have a theory why he was bald. Because as he was writing his letter to the Galatians, he pulled his hair out. Because when you read through Galatians, you'll come across things like, I am astonished you were so fooled. I am mind-boggled they hoodwinked you like that. What happened to you? When I came to you, I spoke the truth, and you so easily bought into a lie. It's like, it's like you are, it's, I taught you the simple message that you can be made right with God by simply believing in Jesus, and now you've been taught something completely different, and you've gone that way. No wonder you have lost your joy. 
And essentially what Paul is saying, it's like you're reverting to living like, do you see that right there in the middle? Slaves to the law. What does that mean, slave to the law? And how did that happen? Paul was a missionary to the Galatian churches. And then after he left, a group of people by the name of the Judaizers came in. And they were Jewish Christians. And I'm sure they met well. But what they taught was that to really be made right with God, to really be forgiven by God, to really be loved by God, you need to keep certain Jewish laws. Yes, believe in Jesus, but you need to do this and this and this and this. And Paul says, no, yikes, are you kidding me? As he's pulling his hair out, that's not right. Let me tell you, I was born as a Jewish person. I knew Jewish theology inside and out. And I did better than anyone else keeping the Jewish laws. And yet I found I could not keep them perfectly. I fell short. And Paul is saying to the Galatians, if I can't do it, you can't do it. Trying to live by the, by the laws, trying to do this and this and this, it's like you've made yourself a slave to the law and no slave knows joy. In just a couple of months, I'll go with a couple of other leaders from the chapel. Pastor Joe Binkley is going to go along. We're going to go to India. We've adopted a, a whole area there. Uh, we're really excited about spreading the message of Christ among many who are in the Hindu faith and tribalism and so on. I can tell you what we're going to see. We're going to go to a temple and we're going to see people lined up bringing food and other items to their golden God, whatever that God is. Just hoping that they'll be forgiven and then they'll do it another day and then another day and then another day. And there, there are a lot of Muslims in India too. And they're trying to live by the five pillars of their faith, just hoping they do enough to earn God's favor. You know how you spell all the world religions in the world? D-O. They're just hoping that we do enough to earn God's favor. And Paul says, you can't. There is no way. I have friends. I have some family members. And maybe you do too. I bet you do. And, and their idea is this. And Paul would say that the, the, the commandments of God are good and perfect. But they will never save you. They, they, they point you to your need for a Savior. And I have friends and family members, and you do too, who think that by keeping, let's say, the Ten Commandments, I can make myself right with God. There's a couple of problems with that. One is most people can't even name the Ten Commandments. Second of all, no one can keep them perfectly. None of us can. Paul says they're good, but they will never save you. They point to your need for a Savior. And when we try to keep them thinking that those will make us right with God, we make ourselves like slaves to the law. In chapter 3, Paul says that we are under the curse of the law. What that means is we fall short, and now we are under the judgment of God. Who will save us? Let's go back to what Paul says. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Everyone back then knew that, that a slave could not set himself or herself free. No. But somebody could, long, could come along and purchase their freedom for them. And this is where 
all the religions of the world and what some of our friends and family members believe that I can make my way to God on my own. This is where all of that is separated from what is called true Christianity. All of this is spelled D-O. All of this is spelled D-O-N-E. God has done for me through Christ what I could never do for myself. Jesus came and and lived out the perfect law of God perfectly and then purchased my freedom by paying to the law what I could not pay and satisfying God's perfect holiness. And it's like Paul is saying to the Galatians, no wonder you've lost your joy. No wonder you've lost your ballast in life. You have forgotten completely what Jesus has done for you. And then Paul goes on in this verse and says, and look what else happened when Jesus purchased your freedom. He says he's adopted us as his very own children. Some of you in this room were adopted. And maybe you've adopted someone and maybe you're planning to adopt. It's such a beautiful notion found throughout Scripture. Adoption. You know what happens at adoption? Somebody who is not a part of a family is adopted, and now they have gained all the rights and privileges that someone born into this family receives. Adoption. Uh, Max Lucado called America's pastor. He says, God, God sought you. He found you. He signed for you, and he brought you home. That's adoption brought into the family of God simply by putting faith in Jesus. That's what makes us right with God. So no wonder the angel cried out, I bring you good news of great joy to all people. There is access to God, ollie ollie income free. Simply believe in Jesus. Now what Paul says next is also amazing. Remember the I remember these late-night infomercials. I don't even know if they have them anymore, but they'd be selling things like Vegematics or different home repair kits, different kitchen items, you know, and they'd, they'd put the price on the screen. You know what I'm talking about. And then this, the price would be crossed out, and then it was, they would say, wait, there's more. That's sort of like what Paul's doing here. He said, wait, there's more. And this is what he says is more. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. You see that? The Spirit of God comes to live within the believer's life. That's a gift. Now I want to tell you that that, that the Holy Spirit was at work before that. The Holy Spirit helped. if If you're a follower of Christ, it was the Holy Spirit who helped you understand your need for a Savior. And once you asked Jesus into your life, The Holy Spirit came to live within, and he joined God's life with yours and gave you the gift of eternal life, which begins right now. Not just that, Paul goes on in the next chapter and says, when the Holy Spirit is in you and you're walking with Christ, his job is to build joy into your life. How about that? But not just that. Look what he says. The Holy Spirit prompts us to call out, Abba, Father. To this day, I have a general rule of thumb. When I'm in any meeting at the chapel or any meeting anywhere, and it can be somebody uh, uh, that, that you've never heard of or somebody you've heard of, somebody important, somebody not that important, if I can say that. If one of my kids call, I take that phone call. 
If you call me, I'll probably put it on hold or say I'll call you back. But my kids, I answer immediately, right? Now, there's a couple of noteworthy things that Paul writes here. And it's these, it's these two terms, call out and Abba, Father, call out. It, it, it means urgency, a sense of urgency. I wonder, what, what's the urgency in your life right now? It's probably different than what's urgent in my life right now, but it doesn't matter. Paul is saying that God wants to hear that which is urgent to you. Do you believe that? Sometimes it's hard to believe that God would want to hear from me for the first time in a long time or again and again. And Paul says, no. The Holy Spirit prompts you to call out, Abba, Father. That's the same way Jesus referred to his Father in heaven when he prayed. We can pray the same way. Abba, as you probably know or may know, it's an Aramaic term, which means Papa, which means Daddy. It's that endearing of a term. We have a granddaughter named Blakeland, and she calls me Papa Jay. I love that phrase. It sounds like I own a pizza shop. Papa Jay. But I love it when she calls on my name. I drop everything. Yes, what can I do for you? And that's how your Father in heaven is when you have an urgent matter and you call out. He wants to hear from you and you and you. Now, wait, wait. Paul's not done. There's more, right? Look at this. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Now, this is not immediately noticeable, but it's certainly worth noting. And that is Paul has now gone from the plural to the singular. He's gone from everyone to just me. He's gone from everyone to just you. I'm reading through a book with a number of others right now. And in the book, this guy admits, he just confesses, and maybe this is you too. He says, you know, my temptation is to think that God, God's love for me is just generic. He generically loves me. Like I'm number 26,752 in the multitude of God's family. He says, that's not right. And this proves it. Paul says, no, he knows you by name. You're an individual. You're his child. And he wants to hear from you. And not just his child, you are an heir. What is an heir? An heir is somebody who receives an inheritance. Ooh, I like that idea. I like getting an inheritance. What is that? A million dollars. Did you read that in your Bible? No, it's something even better. It's a long list of things. Paul writes in Romans that we are co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? A bunch of things, but among them, this, complete access to God. Those matters that are on your heart, just cry out. Eternal life. That's a, that's a quality of life that begins right now and extends beyond the grave. And a future glory with Christ. You know, one day Jesus is coming again. This is what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. <laughs> He's going to come again and reign here on earth. And those who are his children, those who are with him, will reign with him. Paul has written all of these words, I think, to return the Galatians and to us to a deep, settled 
joy, and ballast because at the right time, the right person came with the right message. Now, in just a week, we'll be sitting around a Christmas tree with people receiving gifts, giving it gifts. Actually, my wife and I, this, this is the first year our kids are somewhere else. We'll be home alone. So if you have room in your house on Christmas Day, that'd be great if we'll come over. We give gifts. That's fun. But when you get a gift, what do you do? You say, thank you. You write a note. You write a text. You say, thank you. I'm just wondering, can we take a moment, just pause for a moment of reflection We just learned a lot of what God has done for us through Christ. I'd like to lead us in prayer. Let's let's do that right now. God, as we pray right now, I want to just guide us through some simple thank yous. God, we start with thank you for forgiving me, for the freedom I have in Christ, for purchasing me out of slavery to the law, Just whisper a thanks to God for what he's done for you. And now in the next breath, a word of thanks to God that you are his child. (laughs) You are an heir. And you have a future. You have a hope. And then just a word to God of thanks that because of faith in Jesus, his spirit lives within and you have free access to God. And while we are praying, if in this room you are unsure you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Now is the time simply to say, I need a Savior. I want to begin my walk with Christ. Whisper that to God and he will hear you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It's good to give thanks. I want, to, I want to close this message by returning to something I started earlier. Do you remember this outline? This is the outline of the Bible. This is the outline of God's storyline, right? But there's a couple things missing. Like, for example, the very end of the Bible, Revelation. That's where there are no more, no more, there's no more pain. There's no more tears. There's no more death. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to know that we'll be completely be in the dance of love and joy with God and the Trinity. But in between the Gospels and Revelation, there is this, Acts through Jude. And that's where we are right now. Right now, today, we are in the age of the church. I also like to call it the age of responsibility, the age of mission. In these words of Jesus, he says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Earlier in Paul's words, we saw that God sent Jesus. And then God sent the spirit of his son. But now Jesus has sent you and me. We are sent people. To do what? The theme of the Bible very much is this. 
I am blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. Do do you know the most popular word associated with God throughout the entire Bible is what? Give, gave, given. In other words, when you give, at no other time are you more like God. When you bless others, at no time are you more like God. So I just want to ask you, in this Christmas season, how can you be a blessing to others and bring joy to them, the same joy that you have received from God through Christ? Maybe it's finding somebody who is alone. This is their first Christmas alone. Or maybe somebody who needs a simple gift, gift of time, gift of treasure, gift of talent, whatever that might be. Or would you consider just sharing with them how you found a relationship with God simply by believing in Jesus. Tell your story to somebody. And here's an easy thing. We talked about it earlier. Just invite somebody to the Christmas Eve services here. If you get them here, we will do our part in concert with God's Spirit who brings people to an awareness of their need for Jesus. Now, we want to make this super easy. Charles didn't talk about this earlier, but when you leave, you're going to receive each one per family. It's a, if you like, it's, it's a packet of coffee you can give to somebody. And on the front, it's the, it's the times of all of our services. And we were going to do this last year, but do you remember the Christmas storm canceled everything? But this is an awesome opportunity for people to be aware of what we're doing here. And down at the bottom is a QR code that will take them directly to our website and to the song that you saw earlier. So take one of these packets on the way out. If you don't want to take one, that's fine. Leave it for somebody else to give to someone. But I would encourage you, coffee or no coffee, consider inviting someone here so they can know the joy of Christ also. Let's pray. God, thank you now for this time to look at your word, to be reminded all that, is, all that belongs to us through Christ. We are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.